If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Urban Outfitters, Sephora, and Nike. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Welcome to CBS Audio's Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Phil Briggs. I'm a Navy veteran, and every week I get a chance to look at the issues of the day through the eyes of my fellow military vets. My goal every week is simple, bring you something informative and something that will inspire the hell out of you. This is the news and stories about the veteran lifestyle. This is Eye on Veterans. This hour, we're going to hear about two ways veterans can find high-paying jobs. One is a school in Texas that trains the heating and air conditioning techs of tomorrow. And we'll hear how graduates of this program will command higher salaries than millions of Americans who currently have fancy, debt-loaded college degrees. So the reality is you can come to a six-week program or you can go to college for four years and accumulate that much debt and uh, come out with the same type of income. And then we'll end the hour with the story of an Army veteran who landed an incredible career in the aerospace and defense industry, thanks to the Onward to Opportunity program from the Institute for Veterans and Military Families at Syracuse University. Here's my timeline. This is when I will be officially out. So between this window and this window, I need to know what all opportunities I have. Now, in a story reported by ConnectingVets.com earlier this week, the Defense POW MIA Accounting Agency announced that Korean War Medal of Honor recipient, Army Chaplain Captain Emil Joseph Capon, has finally been accounted for. Captain Capon was an Army Chaplain during the Korean War, and on November 2, 1950, the unit he was with near Usan came under heavy fire. It was there he walked through heavy gunfire without getting shot and he pushed enemy soldiers out of the way without even carrying a gun. And he once carried a wounded soldier for over 20 miles. Eventually surrounded and besieged by Chinese communist forces, unit members became trapped, and it was there Capon stayed with the wounded, but was soon captured and marched to a Chinese prison camp where he later died. While the discovery of his remains is certainly big news, the story of his life and the effort to recognize him as a saint in the Catholic Church was one that we covered on a podcast called Vet Story back in 2017. And here's a bit of the episode entitled How to Live Like a Saint, The Miraculous Stories of Father Emile Capon. The Chinese attack the American positions north of Unsan. In the chaos, dodging bullets and explosions, Father Capon raced between foxholes, out past the front lines, dragging the wounded to safety. It's going around trying to aid the wounded. Do not let your heart be troubled or be afraid. 
he said every time you put your head up above the, the, the ditch or whatever you were in, he said bullets would fly. And he said all of a sudden, he said he felt a hand on his back. He turned around and he said it was Father Capon. The Medal of Honor to Chaplain Emil J. Capon, United States Army. I think it's the blessing from God, really. I'm Phil Briggs, and this vet story is about the life of a veteran who is more than just a Medal of Honor recipient. There are many who consider him worthy of being a saint. He is Father Emil Capon. The descriptions of his service are like the plot lines of best-selling books or even big-budget Hollywood movies. In fact, some of the audio we've already heard in this podcast is from a promotional video for a book by journalists Roy Wenzel and Travis Haying, entitled Miracles of Father Capon, Priest, Soldier, Korean War Hero. We hear a hero's voice as we listen to this sermon being delivered by Father Emil Capon of Pilsen, Kansas. He had his apostles gathered about him one day, and he said to them, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled or be afraid. But while there are many veterans we recognize as absolute heroes, there's something about Father Capon's story that is almost biblical. Well, I'm a priest for the Diocese of Wichita. That's Father John Hotze, who spoke with Connecting Vets Jared Watson about the miraculous life of Father Capon. Back in 2001, uh, Bishop Olmsted, who was our bishop at that time, had asked me to start to look into Father Capon's life to see if it was something that we should be pursuing to see if we can have him named a saint. Since 2001, I've been kind of working on it. I've had other other jobs as I was doing that also. I mean, pastor of various parishes and also the judicial vicar for the diocese. But I've been working on that, gathering information. Um, in, let's see, 2008, we officially opened his cause for canonization, and we started gathering documents from his life and interviewing everybody that we could find to tell us their story about their experiences with Father Capon. I mean, the, the people that I was able to interview with him um, talked about how he was there. They said when the, the, the troops were out there doing maneuvers, when they are out there uh, trying to prepare themselves to go into battle, that Father Capon was there right alongside of them. Uh, they said if they were out there in the weather in tents, he said that's where he was too. And they said none of that was expected of the chaplains, but he was just always there with the men. Um, eventually, he went to Korea, or they were shipped into Korea, um, did the same thing when he was in Korea. I mean, was there for the men. Uh, all the men talked to him about it. Uh, there was an, one man, a, a Tibor Rubin, uh, who also was awarded the Medal of Honor, um, and he was a, a Jewish man. He had been in the concentration camps during World War II, and he told me that he had promised himself, or he had promised that when he was released from the, the concentration camps over in Hungary, uh, that he would do whatever he could to pay back the United States, since they were the ones that liberated the camp that he was in. Um, and he decided to do that by joining the army. Um, and he was telling me, and he said, you know, I knew Father Capon was a saint uh, before we were captured. There was one time that he just knew that he was going to die. He said, we are there, and he said everybody was kind of scattered out. 
Uh, he said everybody was just in whatever ditch or gully they could find. Um, they were under heavy fire. He said every time you put your head up above the, the, the ditch or whatever you were in, he said bullets would fly. And he said he just had a feeling that he was going to die. And he said all of a sudden, he said he felt a hand on his back. And he said he turned around and he said it was Father Capon. And he said Father Capon just started talking to him. And he said he always stuffed his pockets with fruit or any kind of food that he could get. And he said he pulled out some fruit and he asked me if I wanted something to eat. So he said, of course, I took it. Um, but he said he wondered how was, he was even able to get out to him because of the gunfire. Um, but he said that, that he was just talking to me and he just told me that, that everything was going to be all right. Uh, and he said that he was told him that he had to move on to go talk to some other men. Um, and he said that he asked me if I wanted to pray. And he said, I, he said yes. And he said that he prayed the Hebrew scriptures with him. And he said, here it was, a Catholic priest. And he said, why he came out to me to begin with, I don't know. But he said, then why, why would he feel like he needed to pray with me when, when even praying the Hebrew scriptures? And he said that he just knew from that time on that, that Father Capon was, was a saint. He said that he just got this feeling of calm over him. And he said he just knew that everything was going to be all right. Um, so that's kind of how he was before they were captured. It's beautiful. Um, Yes, it's a very selfless and and obviously someone who was full of empathy for others and and found a way to um, to make his way over through gunfire, race, religion, creed. None of that got in Father Capon's way from what I've read in regards to um, service members that he was there for. Right. And that all the way up until until their capture, which if if you would uh, explain that for us. Well, when they were captured, uh, this was still before um, be- before the Chinese were officially involved in the war. Officially, yes. Um, <laughs> yes, other other people had commented about how uh, other POWs had commented about how they had had seen the, the Chinese troops there, um, but every time they they radio it in, radio it in, uh, they would tell them, "Well, there can't be Chinese troops because they they don't don't exist." Well, <laughs> they said, "When you see thousands of them, it's kind of hard to say they don't, they don't exist." <laughs> Uh, but but he was. They were talking. Or he said now that's that, uh, just an excerpt of the podcast entitled "How to Live Like a Saint: The Miraculous Stories of Father Emil Capon," and you can find it at connectingvets.com or everywhere you get podcasts. Just search for CBS Eye on Veterans. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs, and a reporter with ConnectingVets.com. Whenever I can do something that helps veterans find a career, I jump on it. And I recently got an email that revealed a real opportunity for veterans right now. And it's most poignant because in an era where some in Congress are clamoring for student debt loan forgiveness and arguing over the cost and the employability of those with fancy college educations, it reminded me of the value of the skilled trades and their near constant demand. In fact, this very podcast I do right here is practically a skilled trade in that I didn't need some crazy huge degree or a Harvard education to figure out how to press record. What I do need is a story worth telling, and we certainly have one here with Dr. Thomas Mormon. Provost and school director for the Perfect Technician Academy in Weatherford, Texas, which is bringing up a new generation 
of heating, ventilation, and air conditioning professionals down there in the Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas area. Dr. Mormon, thanks for coming on the show. Well, thank you very much for having me today. First, tell me about the work you're doing and why considering a career in heating, ventilation, and air conditioning, uh, why this is actually the perfect time for that. Yeah, well, this is a perfect time for that. Primarily, uh, you know, the pandemic has really has everybody living in their homes, working in their homes, uh, and so that home environment needs to be very comfortable. And so the reality is is there's a big influence right now on uh, making sure that everyone is safe and secure in their homes, that the uh, you know, every all the technology in your home is working well, your plumbing, your heating and ventilation, everything is working the way it should be. Part of it also is that, uh, uh, you know, the way the economy is moving forward is there, there's a great need for tradesmen right now. A lot of the really skilled tradesmen are getting into their 60s and 70s and leaving the trades, and so there's a large vacancy that's coming about in the trades, and we're trying to fill that vacancy with people that, you know, are willing to work with their hands and uh, make a good living doing it. And you just described the veteran to a T there because a lot of them are willing to work with their hands. A lot of them have been doing great, hard, dedicated work with early hours and putting their back into it for years. Uh, Tell me a little bit about why veterans make ideal candidates for this school. Absolutely. So uh, I'll go back and just tell you, I was at Camp uh, Bliss a little while back, and I was talking to a young man who said, you know, I I left, uh, I joined the Army because I wasn't very good with school. I didn't want to go to college. So I joined the Army, and now I'm about to get out, and, you know, I've been working on Patriot Missile Systems, but no community needs a Patriot Missile System. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I looked at him, I smiled, and I just said, well, uh, tell me a little bit about that Patriot Missile System. He said, well, you know, it has uh, GPS tracking, it has a cooling system, it has electronics, it goes through all these different components relative to this system. I said, I guarantee you, if you can fix that, I can train you to fix a home air conditioning system because it's not nearly as complicated. And so what these veterans bring in is a strong technical skill and acumen for that, but they also they know how to wear a uniform. Uh, they, they build trust with customers very quickly because they yes, ma'am, yes, sir. They understand. They respect authority. They respect people. Uh, you know, they, they keep their trucks and their toolboxes clean and up up to date. Everything is organized and ready to go. Uh, you know, the training they get in the military, really the soft skills that they gain through that experience translate very well into the trades. Mm, and I love that example because, uh, you know, it just reminds me of being a younger man. And I used to work construction in the summertime. Uh, you know, my dad thought if I was off for three months, you know, I couldn't just sit around a pool. <laughs> I wasn't going to get a job <laughs> scooping ice cream. He wanted to see me get out there and break a sweat. And, uh, you know, I'll be glad for it today because I can fix some of the things around my house. I can build some of the things around my house. But you and I were just talking about this. People get the wrong idea about skilled trades and think, oh, well, that's a, you know, a low end job. Whereas I'm here to tell you as a homeowner, and I know you appreciate this too, as a homeowner and you see the guy roll up in your driveway with the name on the side of his truck. Well, that's a guy that's doing pretty well to have that job is often more secure than the homeowners that he's going to. Right. Most people have a misperception that the trades are a minimum wage uh, opportunity. Uh, The reality is I've run a lot of different numbers. You talk about the average college graduate right now makes about $48,000 a year. Well, if you go to the U.S. Department of Labor Statistics and you look at what the average HVAC technician makes, it's $48,000 a year. So the reality is you can come to a six-week program or you can go to college for four years and accumulate that much debt and uh, come out with the same type of income. And, 
you know, that's the average salary. A lot of technicians uh, do much better than that. But the reality is there's a lot of effort that goes into it. But if you enjoy a different work environment every day, not sitting behind a desk, you like being outside, talking to people, working uh, you know, on equipment and things like that, you can make a very good living in the trades. And again, I'll jump on the wagon with you there and just say, you know, as a journalist, I work with a lot of people that are like highly educated, right? Um, on the CBS network level, there are literally a handful of jobs. Let me tell you, Nora O'Donnell's not moving over anytime soon. Lester Holt is not giving up the anchor desk. I mean, you get into a trade, you've got a skill where they're going to be calling you for the rest of your life. Absolutely. And I'll even go farther. So, I, you know, my background is I'm an educator. I've been an educator for over 30 years, state of Texas. I've worked in the university systems here in the state of Texas. Uh, I worked in medical education primarily for 25 years. And I will tell you that I know many technicians in HVAC that are making more than the family physicians that we graduated from medical school. So the reality is you can make a good living. You're contributing back to your community. Many of these guys are independent contractors now. Uh, you know, they started out as frontline guys, and now they own their own contracting businesses. Uh, the reality, there's lots of opportunities, and it's really how motivated you are and what you're willing to take, put forward. Uh, there's no one that stops you except for yourself. And every time one of those trucks pulls into my driveway, I wish it was my name on the side of it. I'll tell you that much. That's right. That's right. <laughs> hey, let's talk about how we get involved. How does a veteran get involved with the Perfect Technician Academy? I know you guys are down there in the Dallas-Fort Worth region. Tell me more about uh, you know what they can do to pursue this. Yeah, so we are a GI Bill eligible institution. Uh, we, we are licensed by the Texas Workforce Commission as a uh, workforce development program. So our goal is we, we've designed our curriculum to be a six-week curriculum. It's high-intensity immersion, so uh, it's similar to what the military training is going to be when people go through and learn how to build a or to work on a Patriot missile system. It's not any different. We're going to bring you in for six weeks. It's going to be a highly concentrated program. It's six days a week, Monday through Saturday, uh, eight hours a day, two hours of homework every night. So it's no rest for the weary, but the reality is when you're done with those six weeks, you're really going to be ready to go out and operate that truck on your own. Um, and how a veteran can get involved with us, I mean, the easiest way is just go to our website, perfecttechnicianacademy.com, and fill out an application or fill out an interest statement, and, and one of our uh, representatives will reach out to you and kind of talk you through our program and everything there is about it. The key thing for veterans is there's lots of job opportunities out there. There's lots of employers that want to hire veterans, and uh, there's great incentives for these employers to hire veterans. And so, uh, you know, if you come and get the training and you have that work acumen where you really want to work and do well, uh, there's lots of opportunities that are out there. Outstanding. And last question, but if I'm getting out and I'm thinking about going back to my home state, do I come to your area, the Perfect Technician Academy in DFW, and do you have lodging there so I can take this six-week course and then go back to my home state, or how does that work? Yeah, so we, uh, we provide lodging through the course. Now, uh, you, you have to pay for that separately, especially as a veteran. The, the GI Bill will give a housing allowance to someone to come to school, so you'd have to use your housing allowance to pay for that. But we do set up and arrange housing for you, or you can arrange it yourself. But uh, that is an opportunity to come to us. But typically when I talk to a veteran, the first question I ask them is, where do you want to live when you transition from the military? Sometimes it's they want to move back to their hometown where their family is. Sometimes they want to move to their spouse's hometown because their spouse has been following them around everywhere, and now you know it's time to spend time with their side of the family. Uh, there's all kinds of different things that happen. And so we have actually 
connections with contractors all through the United States and even into Canada where we'll work with them to find them a, a location within 100, 200 miles of where they want to live anywhere in the United States. So we, we really try to do that for them. Uh, probably 70% of our students come from out of state and go and move out of state after they finish our program. Only a small percentage really are from Texas and stay in Texas. And that's great to hear about the connections you have in all those other markets. Um, I can't say enough about the trades, man, heating and air conditioning, financial stability, financial independence, the ability to provide for your family and uh, make a name for yourself and your community. Uh, you can do it all as a heating and air conditioning tech and uh, one day running your own truck. So uh, I wish you the best of luck. I can't thank you enough for sharing the information about the Perfect Technician Academy. You can find more at perfecttechnicianacademy.com. Dr. Thomas Mormon, thank you so much for raising the next generation. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. And uh, this segment, we're going to talk about transition all-important first step after the military and how that first step can be crucial to fail or flight. And I got a great example here with Zakenya Z. Simmons, military spouse and intelligence specialist with the U.S. Army who completed the Institute for Veterans and Military Families Onward to Opportunity program and uh, got herself a professional certification and wound up, well, in a powerful position with the U.S. Army and formerly before that as a geospatial intelligence instructor at BAE Systems. So first, let's welcome to the show, Z Simmons. Z, welcome. Hey, Phil. Good to have you on this. And this is one of these stories that I love to highlight because success stories about military transition, you can't have enough of. Because so many times we get out the military and we're like, where do I go? What do I do? I just got done working on a rocket propelled grenade system. Um, who needs that? <laughs> and so, so many people don't need it. And it's vital that you get the right training and vital that you get the right first step. So tell me first about your trajectory, a little bit about your bio and your military experience. Yes. So uh, first, Phil, I want to say thanks for having me. Um, I often tell people that, um, you know, I don't like to speak unless I have something of value or I'm passionate about it. And I'm very passionate about veterans, their transition, IVMF and O2O. So again, thank you for having me. A little bit about myself, um, believe it or not, I joined the military at 17. I am now 40 years old. I have only been out of the service for two years. I'm very new to the other side of not being on active duty. My entire adult life I have spent in the military. Um, I started out enlisted. I was an intel professional for the bulk of my 20-year career. I transitioned from a analyst to a technician um, where I would manage and advise at the senior level for Army professionals, and I found myself um, coming back from a deployment at the end of my career, realizing that I needed to transition for the betterment of my family, and through these um, trainings and opportunities, I was able to transition into a position that is very comparable to my background. Um, again, 20 years and 10 days, so I have a, a host of, um, you know, awards and decorations and trainings and certifications that come with that 20 years, but um, hope to talk to you about the transition aspects um, and focus more on that. Indeed. Let's dive in real quick, just to kind of 
put some specific nature on what you did. When you say Intel analyst, then um, intelligence comes in a lot of different forms. There's um, signal intelligence and human intelligence. Which one were you? Were you observing like radio chatter or like the kinds of communication intelligence or were you dealing with like people to people intelligence? So imagery intelligence was my specialty field. Oh, okay, cool. Like satellite pictures and stuff, huh? Satellites, drones, yes. That that was my specialty. Mm, looking at far and away exotic places and friends in far away places that were soon <laughs> to go away. I love it, man. I love that kind of stuff. I got friends in Intel. Again, a peculiar kind of unique rate, though, of trade that the military has, but not always adaptable to the outside world because, you know... Um, XYZ Corporation Accounting Department doesn't run drone ops. They don't need pictures analyzed. You know, you don't need all that to work at your local ad agency. Tell me a little bit about what it was that struck you about IVMF and the Onward to Opportunity program and how you ended up going down that path. So, yes, um, Phil, you you hit it right on the head when you said um, when you're in some of these specialties or these very, um, we call them competitive and technical in, in the Army, but... If you're in the Army, I mean, you're very successful, right, because there is, there is a need for that. But when you talk about those things being transferable, you are limited almost to those um, companies and corporations that are still tied to the government or industry, right? So outside of that, it's like you did what and why is this relevant to me? So me knowing that, again, I don't know if you called, but earlier I said I was 17 when I joined, and I actually joined while I was still in high school, my senior year. So again, I've never had an adult career. My adult work life is the Army. So, so I'm a planner, and I started planning about four years out, knowing that um, you know I would I would go ahead and, and retire at 20 because it was just suitable. Just trying to manage that work life balance. Um, I did multiple deployments. I, I think I had 10 at the end of my career, and um, I knew I would have at least one more. But after having a child, I was like, that's pretty much it for me after that. So um, I, I reached out. I came back. I had 10 months left on Fort Bragg to transition. So I'm like, okay, what is out there and, and what can I immerse myself in? Because I feel like, although 10 months sounds like a lot of time, I kind of feel like I'm a little bit behind the power curve on some of the things that I can have access to. Again, being that planner, so that a little bit of that fear comes in, right? So for me, I thrive in that type of stuff. I instantly start doing my due diligence. I do my research. I seek what's out there. So uh, I went to the transition center, and um, I just was like, what is, what is out there? What do you have? What's available? Here's my timeline. This is when I will be officially out. So between this window and this window, this is the time that I have, and I need to know what all opportunities I have. So at that time, I was able to sync with a, a career counselor, and essentially um, that counselor could help me apply or, you know, register for those things. Never heard of IVMF or O2O at that time. Only knew about, like, the resume writing help or, you know, the VA class or potentially, like, you know, a Boots to Business entrepreneur program. So at that time, I happened to see a flyer that was up as well as like a banner about uh, O2O and IVMF, and I instantly was like, what is that? And um, they gave me like a quick spill on what it was and was like, are you interested? And I'm like, yeah. So then they told me where they were located on the post, 
I instantly went over there. I talked to the coordinator for Fort Bragg, who was Mr. Um, Ken Mays, who was phenomenal, by the way. Um, and he told me, oh, yes, love to have you. This is what we have available. And from there is how we kind of made that connection and started that process. Mm, walk me through what it looked like, what it felt like. Okay, so you go there, you're immersed, right? You go to the campus of Syracuse University, you live there for a few weeks, and they give you training or they help open your eyes to career fields in various places, right? So the way it worked for me, because I was still on active duty, um, most they have partnerships with most of the uh, military installations. So first you have to identify that you have um, you know, a program within your installation or what is the closest. Because I was at Fort Bragg, we actually had a program that resided right on the base. So what that looked like for me was I was able to just coordinate with that um, director, and we would essentially, once I got synced with a program and I chose what program I wanted to be part of, which it, for me was the IT certification track, but I would focus on SAS-based one and two programming. Um, so once I identified that that's what I wanted to do, um, they developed the, the schedule essentially. So like there's some people who decided they wanted to go the project management route. Well, then their track would look different from mine. They would need to go sync with the, you know, the closest business um, professionals in the PMI directorate so they could take them through the application process. So they could do all that stuff. But for me, um, they identified that you will sync with this. You know, I had a couple meetings with um, some of the key people within SAS. Um, you would develop this coursework, and here's the time where you would report to this site on Fort Bragg so that you can conduct this material and you can take this training. And then um, here's the times where you should do, you know, the the test or the, the prep test to make sure that when it's time to certify that you're able to do so. So that's kind of what it looked like for me, but there may be some people who do need to travel. But for me, I was just able to go in my post or at my base. And essentially, what did it train you to do? You know, you could be a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker. Uh, you walked out after this training completely qualified to do what? So people are, are, are a lot interested. So I have a, a lot of, I have 20 years of management experience. So originally I was going to go the project management route to transfer my operations management to, you know, managing projects um, in the civilian industry. But instead... Me knowing my industry and where it was headed, right, future thinking, um, geospatial intelligence, it's tied heavily to technology. It's technology driven. And we'll hear the conclusion to Zakenya Simmons' Army Transition Success Story when CBS Eye on Veterans returns. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now we'll jump back into my interview with Zakenya Simmons, who had joined the Army straight out of high school and never really known any other job. But she did know that after the military, she'd need some training. Me knowing my industry and where it was headed, right? Future thinking, um, geospatial intelligence, it's tied heavily to technology. It's technology driven. We'll pick back up with how she made her transition success story through a program called Onward to Opportunity from the Institute for Veterans and Military Families at Syracuse University. 
I wanted to get more of those IT certifications so that I could able to, so I could take, you know, my experience and my trainings in the military, but now apply it to something that I know the career field is headed in the future. Um, so I wanted to focus more on, you know, database management, um, analytics, programming, um, that type of stuff, because I knew that although I didn't get to have that in the military, that that would kind of bridge the gap between my 20 years experience and maybe some of these other uh, corporations and businesses that may not typically transfer easily, having those things, then it would bridge the gap. Mm-hmm. And what was your final rank in the Army, if you don't mind me asking? I was a chief warrant officer, too. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, a warrant, right on, right on. I stick that in the same category as my senior enlisted guys, my command sergeant majors and my sergeant majors and my master chiefs, the salty folk that already know how to lead a team. You had no problems telling Young Bucks what to do or getting them to do the right thing or work together to accomplish the goal, but you married that with those really crucial IT certifications. Very good, very good, because now you're a standout to hire because you're a leader already, but you got you got the computer certifications underneath you. Very cool. Talk to me about how the first job rolled out. Yes. So I was, it was June 7th. Now again, my retirement date was August 1st, 2018. Um, It was June 7th. It was the day I was assigned out of Fort Bragg. And as I was leaving, I got a call. And during that call, it was saying, Hey, um, you know, are you available? We think you would be a good candidate and a good fit. We'd like to talk to you. Um, so I instantly replied to it, and it was for the BAE position. Now, I had two positions in which um, BAE was considering me for, and I had hired for both. Um, one, I really, really wanted. It was more on the operations management, but still for geospatial intelligence. And the other one was the one that I actually took, and it was their most competitive that they really needed. Um, so, you know, in the military, we have a lot of background and training. Um, we, as an NCO, the NCO Corps is known as the backbone of the army and and the NCOs ultimately has the uh, responsibility to train, right? All the soldiers. So I have a robust amount of training in the military, um, worked on training teams, whatever. So because I had that training background and then I had the certifications, and the other experiences in the trade, um, that's how the BAE instructor position came about. Didn't even, like, I wasn't even focused on that aspect of it, but um, there was a need for it. It's hard to find people with geospatial intelligence backgrounds, and then if you find someone that has that, has the training aspect as well, and then has some of those key certifications that they're looking for, well, then it, it's seamless, and so for the the mission or the, um, the, the collection, it was the collection requirements management was the suite of, uh, classes that I was being sought to teach. And it was for, um, NGA college, uh, which is a national, national geospatial agency. Um, but BAE was the one who owned the program for the college. Um, so it was very easy. It was seamless. All of that came to fruition. And I had a job offer the same day that I signed out on, um, you know, transition leave. So I wasn't even officially retired yet. Still wasn't <laughs> sure what I wanted to do a hundred percent. 
but already had a job offer the day that I was signing out of the military. So that felt really, really, really good. Um, oh, that's awesome. That is absolutely awesome. Look at that. They're over there in the corner cutting the cake and you're on the phone like, hold on, y'all. Hold on. I just got to take this call. Somebody wants to hire me. Hang on. I'll be right there. That's <laughs> exactly <laughs> like this is important over here. But once I step out of here, I, I really need to entertain what's going on over here. <laughs> <laughs> that's good stuff. That's good stuff. And I can imagine no more commanding of an instructor than a former army warrant officer. I mean, you know, you get some sleepy college kids in there trying to slack off. You're not taking any of that noise (laughs) yeah so it was it was very beneficial because um you know we actually instruct adults so everyone in your class i could have a class of 22 people and everyone's a professional they're doing the job some people have been doing it for 35 years so half of your class thinks they know more about the material than you do um some are (laughs) interns some are out of college so being able to have that technical background definitely makes you be able to, um, you know, command the classroom and get that respect instantly from, from the class. And, and it was very helpful. And it helped because within six months of me taking that job, I promoted out of that job. Um, and they end up, BAE ends up making me their um, collection subject matter expert. Mm, very so, cool. Yeah, so, so very quickly. Well, I never met a warrant that didn't command the room when they walked in. So uh, hats off to you for doing that, man. That is outstanding. Just glad to see the transition through the Onward to Opportunity program made the transition so smooth. So I can't thank you enough for sharing your story. Uh, where do I get more information about this? If I'm a veteran, let's say that's, uh, that's, that's already been out um, a little while. Like, Where do I learn more about what's going on with the Institute for Veterans, Military, and Families? So if you Google IVMS, or O2O, or Onward to Opportunity, or you can either Google Syracuse University, you will find pretty much the splash page that has the information. Also, LinkedIn is another good place. LinkedIn, because you have the hashtag, um, you'll either find hashtag O2O, you can find hashtag IVMF, or you could look for me, the King of Simmons, in my page. I kind of have O2O, IVMF stuff all over there. But pretty much anywhere on social media or Google, um, you will be able to navigate for this information. Mm. Well, Z, I appreciate you sharing your story. And uh, wow, did you ever think as a young woman that you'd be on your second career and you're already you're still so young. You're only in your 40s and you got all this, got the whole second career in geospatial intelligence and government systems. I mean, look at you. I could never imagine, and I will tell you um, to all the veterans out there or active duty service members getting ready to transition, there are opportunities, whether it's IVMF, O2O, it's a great program. Through that program, they collaborate with other transition opportunities as well. So you're able to get help with resume building, job searching, everything. we, we have to take advantage of these opportunities as veterans because we're successful in the military and there's no reason why we can't be just as successful outside. Amen. There is a great life after the camo and the ammo and the battle rattle. Z Simmons, I appreciate you sharing your story. No worries. Thank you for having me, Phil. I'm Phil Briggs for ConnectingVets.com and I'll talk to you again next week on CBS. Eye on Veterans.
All right, so that does it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. Now, we'd love to hear from you, so follow us on Twitter at IonVeterans, or you can reach me at PhilBriggsVet. I'm always down to get your hot takes and spicy memes, and I'd love to talk to you every week, so please like and subscribe. Hell, even give us a review of the show, because the comments and reviews really help us tailor the show to you. Again, I'm Phil Briggs, Navy veteran and reporter with ConnectingVets.com in Washington, D.C., and I look forward to talking to you again on another episode of CBS Audio's Eye on Veterans. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. 